morning, everyone. We are so happy you're here with us this morning. We invite you to stand on your feet and invite you into worship this morning. morning and we just acknowledge that you are God, that you are good. And Lord, we are so grateful for the battle you've won for us. 
in the way you fight for us, God. So as we continue in worship, Lord, may our hearts and our minds just declare, Lord, that you alone are enough for us, God, that Christ is enough for us. I pray that that would be the message over our heart as we sing this next song. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I am so grateful just of the image that we get when we sing that song. When we can sing words like, Christ, you are enough. I am so thankful that because of Jesus Christ, our bodies that hurt because of earthly pains, we do not hurt, we do not walk this world through the good, the bad, the ugly. We do not do those things without hope because we do have hope. And in your word, it says we have a hope that will not disappoint. That hope is in Jesus Christ. Jesus, we, we proclaim that you are king and you are our hope. Jesus, you're the priority in this place and we are humbled to have moments where we can say that you are enough. Ask all things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Good morning, church. See you guys. Say hello to those around you. Everybody, it is great to see you. As we've been talking about the last few weeks, we've been talking about life groups. So if you want to get into your bulletin and pull out this orange piece of paper, tomorrow night is our launch information meeting for life groups. And this is something we want you to all really consider being a part of. So if you've been on the line teetering a little bit, come tomorrow night at 7 o'clock here in the auditorium and come find out what the life groups are all about. We want you to be a part of a community that just um, encourages each other, um, loves on each other, prays for each other, eats together, laughs together, but really digs into the Word of God together as well. I've asked Cindy Loudon to come up and just, um, she's been a part of not one, but two life groups. And I wanted her to just encourage you as to why they joined a life group, her and Dan, and why you should be a part of one. Thank you. Um, Rhonda and Luke have a habit of approaching you last minute. So about 12 seconds before the first service, they asked me if I'd do this. So if I sound unprepared, I am. Um, Dan and I joined a life group. We jumped right in, right off the bat. And it has been... It's literally been a lifesaver. We've made friends that that we would have never had if we if we hadn't been part of this group. Actually, we were in two life groups, um, and just the difference is one group is out to dinner every every two weeks, and the other group meets at the home. They eat too afterwards, but um, it has been. I, I can't. You know, it's good to come into it. You walk into a church when we were new here, and you see faces that you know, people that know you people that you've become friends with and it just makes the whole it just makes you even it makes you feel really good um we love our life groups and i can't encourage you enough to to join one they meet you up with Rhonda actually asked me to talk and then she stood up here and said everything i was going to say but she was right to be a part of a group like that is, is it's awesome i can't say enough about it 
So we want you to consider, I'll be at the back table. There's a sign out there that says Life Groups. Just come see me if you have any questions or want to drop off your paper. But tomorrow night at 7 o'clock is where you want to be to uh, gather some information on that. Um, If you will just grab the, um, what's the folders called? They're friendship folders. (laughs) Um, In front of you and pass those down the line. We would really appreciate it. Have a good day. pause for a moment. Um, No, that's great. We're looking forward to that. I'll be there and it'll be a really great time just to get everybody connected. Um, A couple things, two more things on the calendar coming up that we want to make sure everybody's aware of is the marriage conference on the 21st and the 22nd of this month because we're in February. If anybody doesn't know, we quickly slid into February. Um, Yeah, right. Everybody's like, oh, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, the conference. So a couple, two things. You can register um, by talking to the people in the Welcome Center, or you can do so on the front page of our website. And if you go on the website, on the front page, there's there's more information. You can watch a quick video. There's you can see the different topics for each session um, and get a little and get to know a little bit more about what we'll be doing. But on the 21st and 22nd, uh, we'll be at the Crown Plaza across the street from South Hills Village Mall. Um, there is a special group rate if you would like to spend the night on Friday night. And so all that information is um, on the website. If you have any questions, stop by the Welcome Center and they'll be able to answer your questions and point you in the right direction. One, one last thing is that, um, ladies, there's going to be uh, Women's Paint Night. And uh, that's going to be on the 6th of March from 6 to 8 p.m. in the gym. And uh, this is for all the women of Crossroads. The, the Mops and Mops and Moms Next group from our church is going to be hosting that. Um, it, but they're going to bring in an outside group that's going to come and, and lead um, the ladies of our church through um, do some different painting things. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you don't want me painting because even when the person would tell me literally exactly what to do, I couldn't do it exactly like they showed me. I'm like, how come my picture doesn't look like yours? But uh, anyway, it's going to be a great time. Information's on our website, and that's going to be the 6th. And there, uh, there's also child care available that night. And so if you go on the front page of our website, you can click on that, ladies, and get signed up for that. Um, they're looking to get registrations in by the 26th, if at all possible. And so this is going to be a great time to connect and uh, just fellowship as the ladies of our church. So uh, ushers, I'm going to ask you to come forward this morning as we receive our offering. Um, it's just, yeah, lots of things happening, but thankful to be alive and uh, thankful that Jesus is King. And then we have the word of God to guide us. So let's uh, go before the Lord as we continue on this morning. Jesus, we love you. And just even thinking about that song again, Christ, you are enough. You are our reward. I'm thankful that we have you to fall at your feet, to lean on you, to trust you. Um, you go before us, you stand with us. Even when you left the disciples, Jesus, you said, I will be with you even till the end of the age. God, you are with us. In fact, I'm so humbled to even think if we were to write out, Jesus, every different activity, everything that we go through on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, we have to, because we know you, we have to write with God. Raising my kids with you balancing my bank account as best as I can with you navigating difficult relationships at work tough co-workers tough supervisors marriage everything we can write with you we don't walk alone we walk with you so Jesus we are humbled and just 
blown away that we can have a hope that Scripture says will not disappoint, and that hope comes from you, Christ. Lord, as we give and pray we'd give with a cheerful heart, as Scripture tells us, and that we would know that we're giving to a mission that is alive and active because you are at the core of it, Jesus, saving lives left and right, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. Jesus, we give now uh, out of a heart of worship. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us in your name. Amen. Whenever you're thinking about an unheard life, I want to remind you that there was a time that you actually went to the grocery store, you stood in line, and you stood in line, that was it. Like, you didn't stand there and multitask. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you go to the grocery store now, you typically, how many times do you see, like, you're, you're four deep into the line, and what do you do? You pull this out, right? And you just start, okay, I can text my wife. Find out what I, you know, I missed this. I forgot that. And you and, and you got your emails and you're checking your emails. And so what has happened is there's no empty space anymore. Like like we used to have empty space. There, there was a few moments in our society when we weren't so hyper efficient that we actually had a time for our brain to rest. And you could just stand there and be frustrated because the line was long. So now instead of being frustrated because the line is long, you're frustrated because the line is long and because you're not getting everything else done that you wanted to get done and you're talking to everybody else under the sun and you're more frantic because of all this stuff. And so the digital age, listen, the digital age is a wonderful age. I think this is a wonderful toy. I use it quite often, but I think I also abuse it quite often. I think it becomes, it become, I become a slave to the technology, whether it's, whether it's this, whether it's an iPad, whether it's a laptop, whether it's a TV. I mean, all these things that transfer information and entertain us and, and just stimulate us, we're moving on and on and on. And so what happens at the very moment that we feel a hint of boredom, we reach for our tablet, we reach for our technology, we reach for something instead of being drawn into this moment of empty space. Uh, Microsoft did a survey a few years back here in 2015. They did a survey. 77% of young adults said that the first thing that they do when nothing is occupying my attention is to reach for my phone. 77%. 
you know, I, I know people, uh, quite often I will find out that people will sleep by these. They like, they plug it in and it's, it's, it's almost attached to their pillow, if you will, okay? It's like we are so connected, so this becomes our automatic response whenever there's nothing else to do. We go to this because it fills that empty space. And so what happens is when there's no empty space in your life, when you don't have that, we are robbed of the ability to be present. The ability to be present is becoming a lost art. Really, I mean, how many times that, you know, uh, how many times that do you have, are you in a meeting and you pull this up and you are somewhere else because of this? Uh, how many times are you in a church service and you are somewhere else because of this? Um, look up, look up, okay? Uh, all right, so, you know what I mean? Like when the pastor's message gets a little boring, how many of you go to Facebook? Ouch, did that hurt? I'm sorry, I, I've done it myself. I've been at a conference, I mean, not while I'm speaking to you, okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm not that boring that I gotta check it, right? You know? But I've been at a conference and, and you know what? I, I mean, like, I'll pay money to go and have this guy teach me something, and while he's teaching, I'll say, oh, I wonder what's going on back home. Uh, my, my wife, oh, she's gonna be okay. I don't know, my wife's gonna be okay. Really? You mean I couldn't have like two hours of freedom that I didn't have to worry about if my wife was going to be okay? What happened to the world that we live in? Listen, whenever I was young, folks, the phone was something that was tied to the wall. Do you remember that? If you're under 30, you've probably never seen that, except in a museum. But listen, when I was a kid, my mom had one of them in the, in the, in the dining room. And I'll never forget, because we got tired of standing, she went and bought like a 12-foot cord. And that thing would tangle all the way up, and we'd get off there, and we'd walk all the way over, and I'd walk in, my mom would be sitting, it would come across the table, and she'd be sitting over there talking, right? It was tied to the wall. <sighs> Man, what happened? We became so connected that the ability to be present has become a lost art. You know, I have, I'm losing my ability to be present to God. I'm losing my ability to become present to other people. Like to just sit down and have a friendship. Have you gone to a meal lately and not checked your phone during the meal? Like, like I love meeting with people. But man, I, we all have started this, oh, hang on, buzz. Zip, 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 zip. It just drives us crazy. And, and, we ha- and we don't even have the space to look into each other's eyes anymore. We've lost the art of a relationship. Because... We're so efficient. And I can send you a text and it doesn't matter. I got it off my chest. I sent you a text and that's it. In the meantime, I need to be able to stop and look in your eyes and read if you're okay because I can look in your eyes. And I can tell that you're not okay. And you can look into my eyes and tell that I'm not okay because my eyes are telling you a story that you can't get through an email or a text or any other non-relational thing. But yet somehow we have made these things all become a relationship and and we've become so attached to this, we're going to get it done. We're going to get more done. The The ability to be present to all of God's beauty and nature in this world. You know, Romans chapter 1 says that that God has given us nature to declare His glory. The very God of the universe said, I'm going to tell you who I am, and I'm going to start with creation. So He makes the sun to come up every day. In Pittsburgh, it's only 100 days, but most other places, it's every day. Okay? He makes the sun to come up every day. 
He puts trees around us. He puts grass. I, you know, I grew up in the city, and I, I, I lived a fast-paced life. Fast-paced life. I never understood that because I would go out, and I thought, thought the street light was the moon. You know, it's just like that. we were just so crowded, and we saw people, and there was energy, and we were always on the run. And I, I never, I, it wasn't until I was into my adult years that I understood, like I got away far enough to see the stars. You're like, if I go out here and look in Finleyville, you can see some stars. But when I was up in the Adirondack Mountains, you'd get out and you could lay under there and you could just see stars. For It was incredible. I never saw anything like it. And I was like, wow, nature declares the glory of God. And, and, and I often have been running so fast because of my busyness and my life here. Even when the phone was tied to the wall, I was still running and, and doing my agenda that I didn't stop and see what God had for me. I'll never forget one time up there in the Adirondack Mountains. As a student, a friend of mine, we went out and we had a fresh snow. Got about eight inches of snow up there. That's what it does. I don't think it snows anything less than eight inches up there. It's just constant, right? And uh, he, he took me out. He says, come on, you city kid. I'm going to take you and teach you a lesson today. So he took me out, and we hiked up this mountain behind our dormitory. And he said, look, there's no footprints. None. And I was like, Whoa. You could see the little birdie footprints on there, you know? And then he pulls out this buck knife. That's before it was a weapon. It was just, just a buck knife, right? He pulled out this buck knife, and he went, he went over to a pine tree, and he, he skimmed the snow off of there. He said, I want you to eat this. I was like, you talking to me? i never done anything like that in my life. And, and I learned that, wow, listen, I can stop and pause the glory of God Almighty. And, and you know what? Even in our life here, we get running, we get busy, and it's our urban life and our suburban life. And listen, God still has the, his, his nature, declares His glory. But if I am so not present, I miss it. I miss it. So I miss the beauty of what God has for me. And, and, and the worst part is that I'm not present for my own soul. Andrew Sullivan wrote a, uh, an article in the New York Times magazine. The name of the article was, I Used to Be Human. This new epidemic of distraction, he says, is our civilization's specific weakness. And its threat is not so much to our minds. The threat is to our souls. At this rate, if the noise does not relent, we might even forget that we have a soul. That man, to my knowledge, is not a follower of Jesus, but he's caught it. That listen, we are so uh, we are so messed up. We are so unrelenting at moving at the speed of light, at being connected, at being distracted, at being busy. Last week I talked to you about rest and said that wow, you need to have a Sabbath day. You need to take a day where you just unplug. And uh, and I'll tell you what, the more I consciously do that, the better my soul is. And I'm, I'm finding that. I'm watching like, like I can't keep up with everything. I can't keep up with the speed of light. And, but I tell you what, I know that God worked on six days and on the seventh he rested. And so in our life, I want you to catch this, that if I have to wait for the Sabbath day to come, I'm going to be very dry. Like if I go six days without filling my soul, I'm going to be very dry. I'm going to be that angry person. I'm going to be really struggling by the time I get to that Sabbath day. And so God has given us something that we can do. I'm going to give you a very practical thing that you can take into your life today that is going to help you have an unhurried life. And 
The Sabbath is a big part, but I want you to catch it because there's something you can do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day. Let's look at the life of Jesus. We've been looking at his life and we're seeing some snapshots. So look here, Mark 1.21 says this, And they went into Capernaum. So th- this, was, uh, this was the first full day of Jesus' ministry. Jesus has gone out and... Um, remember, if you go in, in Mark chapter 1 there, you'll see a few verses before this that Jesus had his wilderness temptation. We talked about that a few weeks ago. God prepared him, sends him to the wilderness for 40 days. He fasts for 40 days. He prays for 40 days. He's out there and he's tempted by the devil. We looked at it. We said, wow, that wilderness. He goes to this wilderness, to this lonely place. Who starts their ministry like that? Who starts their career like that? Who goes in vocation like that to go out into this lonely place? God took him to the lonely place, and there he started this ministry. This now is right after that. You could call this his first day of ministry. And I want you to see how full it was, because, because unhurried is, is not necessarily an empty schedule. You know, there, there's two parts of the spectrum. There, there, there is the sluggard. The uh, book of Proverbs talks about a sluggard. And then we also see the workaholic. There's two, spe- two parts of the spectrum. Jesus was neither a workaholic nor a sluggard. He had a very intentional lifestyle. And as he went into this lifestyle, I want you to catch this because it says here, I like this word, and you're going to see this a lot in the book of Mark. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. So he goes in and he begins to, begins to preach. He begins to teach. They were astonished at his teaching, and he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So the very first thing that he does is is he teaches. So that's the first thing at the top of a full day of ministry for Jesus. He teaches. And uh, and, and it's done with authority. And and they're saying, wow, we've never heard anybody like that. So, so, So what's happening is there's crowds that are gathering. People are coming around and, and they're like, wow, we really like to hear what he's saying. And we've never heard a teacher like this. The, the Pharisees, they just taught dead theology. They, they, it was just rules and regulations and it wasn't anything alive. So when Jesus comes, he's, he's giving them something that's very alive and, and he's, he's talking to them and he's bringing it right where they're living and, and they're encouraged and they said, wow, we see this man with authority. Rule, uh, n- number one thing of his day was he taught. Uh, and th- this was in his ministry. So I want you to catch it. You're going to see two things. You're going to see the authority of God, and you're going to see how he lived his life. So number one was the day of teaching. Uh, tw- verse 23, and immediately, there's that word immediately again. So he was busy. He was packing a full schedule, guys. Immediately, there was, uh, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. He was demon-possessed. And, uh, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him. And he says, be silent. Come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed. And they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? Is this a new teaching with authority? He commands even the evil spirits, the unclean spirits, and they obey him. So he, he commands the, the, the unclean spirit to come out. And so I want you to catch it because here was Jesus' day. The first thing he does is he preaches. And the second thing he does is he casts out demons. Now, I'll tell you something. I'll give you a little insight here. Um, I get to speak on Saturday night at 6 o'clock. Then I come back here on Sunday and I speak at 9.30 and then I speak at 11. Come about 1 o'clock. I am looking for the biggest bowl of soup I can find, 
preferably with a side of beef in it, okay? It's just like you just get really hungry after you do this. And number two, about three o'clock, I'm looking for the biggest pillow that I can find, okay? Because I am just worn out. I mean, you just give, and you don't even know you're giving. Um, school teachers, you can relate to that. You're in front of people all day. Uh, in your job, you can relate to that. Um, there's things that you do that, that just really make you tired. So Jesus did this. And I'll tell you what, this is just half of his day. He started teaching. See, right there, I'm kind of done. I'm toast. Jesus keeps going, and he cast out a demon. Now, listen, in our culture, we don't often see demon-possessed people openly. When I go overseas, they, I, hear them, I hear them tell a little bit more of the prevalence of that. I think that in America, uh, Satan's tactics are a little bit different. He uses addictions. He uses opioids, he uses alcohol, he uses work, he uses all kind of things to get us distracted from the master. In this day, they saw a deliverance. So what Jesus did was he, he cast out the demon. And may I share with you that there are people that are getting victory in our church right now because God is showing up. Amen? Let's thank God for that. God is showing up. You see, God, where God exists, Satan cannot. Satan runs. If there's a problem in your life, add God. God comes along and he casts the demon out. Now listen, I want you to understand in your life, if you are a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you, a demon cannot enter you. Amen? That is the way it is. He can, he can give you trouble on the outside, but he can't get on the inside. And so I want you to catch this because Jesus cast the demon out. Why? Because he has authority. This is the God I want you to follow, folks, because when the authority of God gets in your life, it's gone. The demon runs. Oh, you may struggle. You may be plagued. You may struggle with certain things till the day that you die, but the demon is gone. Praise God Almighty. All right? And I want you to, I want you to, to understand it because that's who this God is. But in this day... This is what he was doing. He was teaching. He cast out demons. And that's probably where my day would end. I'd been so toast. I'd been like, oh, my goodness, did you see that guy? <laughs> that guy was talking back to me in 15 different voices. Man, I'll tell you what, sometimes I, I have appointments like that. And you say, oh, man, oh, day. God's got to intervene. And it wears you out. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And when we read in the, when Mark uh, um, sorry, when Luke tells us about his, uh, his, when Luke gives the account of him in the wilderness, we see, a, we see that he's tired. He's physically tired. He hasn't eaten. And so we see this humanity side come out. And so while he's human, he never sinned, but he still got tired. And so Jesus is certainly, he's got a little bit of energy because it's this you know, ministry and he's going, but they're tired. Verse 28, at once his fame, he continues on, at once his fame spread out throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Could you imagine, hey, this new teacher, he, he really is powerful, he speaks with authority, and he cast out a demon. We've never seen anything like it. And so the word keeps swelling up. The crowds are starting to gather on the very first day he's out there. And immediately, verse 29, and immediately, there it is again, guys. Keep watching that word immediately when you're reading Mark. Immediately, immediately. He's saying, and the next thing, and the next thing. 
Immediately he left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon is Peter. Simon Peter. So he left the house and went to Simon, uh, to Peter and Andrew with James and John. He went into Simon, into Peter's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. Anybody have a mother-in-law? Raise your hand. You have a mother-in-law. Yeah. You understand what's happening there, right? Peter, Peter's out with his new teacher. And, and he brings the new teacher home. And the rule number one, I want you to catch this, folks. Rule number one, I tell uh, young people when I'm giving them marriage counseling, make sure that your in-laws are not outlaws. Okay? You've got to keep a good relationship with your in-laws. Right? So, you know, happy wife, happy life. Happy mother-in-law, real good life. Okay? That's how that goes. So you just, you just take care of your mother-in-law. So Peter comes home. And what does Peter do? He says, hey, listen, my mother-in-law's sick. She's laying down. I'm not sure what's wrong with her. And, and listen, I'm sure this was not the sniffles. It's translated over as a fever. I'm sure it was a pretty, pretty hefty illness. She's laying down. And look what happens. Look at the next verse, verse 31. Um, and he came and took her by the hand. So Jesus comes. He took her by the hand. He lifted her up. And the fever left her. The disease was gone. And she began to serve them. Little side note here. When God heals you, you go back to the purpose that you were created for. You, you, have, you know, when I go to my mother-in-law's, that's all she's concerned about is the food. Me too, but, you know, it's all right. But listen, I go out there. And everything has to be just right. Like, she makes these noodles on Thanksgiving. They're to die for. But if they're not just right, they could kill you. Okay. And so what happens is, you know, what happens is this mother-in-law, she went back and she said, I'm ready to serve. She got up and got right back in the game. Let's go back to Jesus' life. What happened? First of all, he's teaching. Then he cast out demons. And when I would be normally having my loaded baked potato soup, he's healing Peter's mother-in-law. Look what happens. He continues on. That evening, verse 32, that evening at sundown, they, broke to, they bought, brought to him all who were sick and oppressed. I love how Mark says this. Look at this. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. You know, that's so powerful. He's saying, listen, everybody in town wanted to see this new Jesus. Everybody was attracted to him. Why was everybody attracted to him? Why was everybody attracted to him? We're going to get to that in just a moment, but I want you to see it. They were attracted to him. They saw that he could heal. They saw that he was not selfish. He was not worried about his agenda. He was on a plan, and it was the, and the mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. So he comes out there. The whole city gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So the fourth thing I see is evening ministry. Evening ministry. Like he didn't go out and say, well, I'm done. And I got to. Well, he kept going. Like he had compassion. He was present. Like he saw that there was like God had a plan here for him. And, and, and he, this was a full, full day. So listen, folks, you are going to have full days. You're going to have days that is, is busy, but you can have an unhurried life even in a full day. It's a matter of your heart, not a matter of your schedule. Okay? It's how you respond. It is, are you filled with the Spirit of God? What can we do 
about that situation in our life? Well, look what Jesus did about the busy day in his life. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning. When his iPhone went off, it, no, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, if you're looking at that type of day of ministry, this is a long day, folks. I want you to take your life, and I want you to think of how long your days are, because you have equally as long days. You have days that are draining. You have days that you give and give and give. And you're exhausted at the end of the day. And Jesus basically does this. He says, I am so busy that I have to get up earlier to pray. I am, my life is so full, I am too busy not to pray. He gets up and he goes out. And the going to the quiet place was a regular part of the life of Jesus. That was the quiet place. It was a regular part for his life. Um, you, you see this often in the life of Jesus. He keeps going to the quiet place. He goes to the quiet place. And by the way, when it says that he went to a solitary place, Mark 1.35, when he says, I've, I've gone to the solitary, Jesus went to the solitary place, in the Greek, it's the same word, Erasmus. It's the same word as was used over whenever he went to the wilderness. But wait, I thought the wilderness was bad and it's lonely and it's dry. The wilderness is where he got alone with God. And where God poured into him. And I, that was a big deal. And so what do, what do I see in the life of Jesus here? I see that he's living an unhurried life by coming back into the presence of Jesus. Into the presence of God Almighty. And, and he's letting the Father fill him up. Going to the quiet place was a regular part of his life. Now check this out. Verse 36. Here's what happens. Jesus gets up early, goes, goes out to a solitary place, and he prays. Simon, Peter, and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they cried out, Everyone is looking for you. Now, let me translate this over. They're like, Why are you out here by yourself? You are the man. You domain rabbi now. Like everybody in town wants to come and hang out with you. And the crowds are swollen. And listen, we thought it was good yesterday. I, you know, we think it's going to be double that today. Where are you? Why are you out here by yourself? And that's how we would all be, wouldn't we? Like that's only natural. So these disciples, they're just human and they're just natural. They're saying, yes, let's go. Let's go. We're going to make him the king. It's going to be good. And they were thinking of their timetable and they didn't see the cross. They didn't know all the things that were to come. But, but they're, they're like, yeah, let's, let's go do this and, and make the bigger crowd. And you know what? There was nothing wrong with what they wanted to do. It just wasn't what Jesus was instructed to do by the Father. Look what happens. Verse 38, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. That's Jesus for no. Amen. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the nearby village so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. And you can just see Simon saying, what? The crowds? I thought you wanted to get this thing going. You're the main rabbi. 
So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. You know why Jesus could do that? Because when you spend time with the Father, He gives you clarity. He gives you clarity. Clarity about our calling. Clarity about your identity comes when we are out in the lonely place with God. And you will not get clarity in the business, in the busyness of life. You will not get clarity in the turmoil, in the worry, in the stress. You will never find clarity over here. You have to come back to God. See, Jesus does this, and it was so important. He was intentional about going to the quiet place, folks. And why was he intentional? It wasn't just so that we would know what to do. It was because he's 100% God, 100% man, and he knew that in his humanity he needed to come before the Father, and the Father needed to tell him what to say yes to and what to say no to today. Isn't that powerful? Do you realize you can have that too? You can go into that quiet place in your life, And you can have that. You can have what's next. Like, God, what do you want me to do today? God doesn't only work in five and ten year plans, guys. I think he works more in a five minute plan. I want you to trust me now. I want you to do what I want you to do. Like, like, you know, this week I had, I had a couple very powerful moments in my life. Like, like I just, I was alone with God and I just felt like God tell me, you need to do this. I'm like, okay. And when God has talked to you, I strongly recommend you following through with it. Like if he tells you. Now, always check it by his word. Because some people come up with some crazy ideas. But you always go, if it filters through God's word, you follow and you go. And and I'll tell you what, I I had like two or three times this week. I saw the hand of an almighty God. And I got back in the car afterwards and I was like worshiping God Almighty because that is the God that I serve. And, and you know what? I couldn't get that if I just kept filling up my, my time. And I couldn't get that by, by worrying about what wasn't getting done. And I couldn't get that at worrying about my failures. Listen, I've got failures. I've got lots of shortcomings. So does everybody. But all I can do is come to God and let Him fill me up. See, I have to be intentional. If I'm not intentional about going into that quiet place with the Father, I'll just live on a treadmill of life all the time. And I'll be on the hamster wheel. And I'll be going for the next bigger, better, best. And you know what? God is not necessarily about bigger, better, best. Like God is bigger, better, best. Do you get that? And so he says, I've given you bigger, better, best. It's in my person. It's in Jesus Christ. So he invites you to come and, and, and be filled up by him every day. And in the meantime, we go over here and we say, oh, hang on here. Did you, ever, did you ever try to meet with God and this thing goes off four times? Mm-hmm. Really? Like I'm talking to the God of the universe and I need to hear from my wife? No offense, honey. You know, like I'm meeting with the God of the universe and somebody around town needs me that badly. There, there comes a time when we, when we can unplug and we can say, I'm in, the, in this quiet place with God. And, 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 and as I come into that quiet place with God, I need to make that the pro- top priority. The top priority. Man, I love that. Clarity comes whenever we, 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 he tells you your identity. He helps you understand who you are. Listen, the world will help you think who you, they want you to be. 
Everybody wants me to be somebody that I'm not. But I'm a child of the Most High, and so are you. And you don't have to worry about everybody that's making you to be somebody that you're not. You have to go and get your marching orders from Jesus. Uh, For some of you, it's your work. You can do this in the middle of your day at work. Go in, shut the door, and do like I do. I just put my head down on my desk. I say, God, I don't know what to do right now. You know, he said in James, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. As your pastor, I want you to know I lack wisdom and I ask it of God. And I, and I go in multiple times, and I just shut my head, and I say, God, I don't know what to do right now. I need you. And I want to encourage you to do that in your life. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, a, uh, a, an engineer, a carpenter, an electrician, school teacher, whatever calling that you are in life, I want to encourage you because even if you're out laboring and you're, you're doing equipment, I, one guy was telling me like how he, like when he's at work, he's like physically moving most of the time. I'm like, wow, you can even shut down the world around you and come and get that God to fill you up. I want to encourage you to make that a top priority. Mark 6.31, jump over to Mark chapter 6. We see another, another little snapshot of the life of Jesus here. Then, then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. Can you relate to that type of schedule? Like they were so busy they didn't have time to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Folks, this is the invitation of Jesus. Come with me to a quiet place and get some rest. Like, like the, isn't that the most powerful? Like, this is the verse of, that, that we should memorize right here. Uh, Luke, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6, 32. Go home and memorize that and, and put that on your car dash. Put it on your, on your, on your refrigerator. Put it on your desk and, and just say, all right, God, I want you, your invitation is for me to come and get away with you. Like, God has called, He's got these 12 guys says, we've been working all day. This is hard. You haven't had any eat. Come and get away with me to a lonely place, lonely place and get some rest. He didn't say, hey, well, let's just keep going. He didn't say, well, you'll be fine. You'll be, you can get caught up on the Sabbath and we'll spend time on the Sabbath. No, he said, I'm inviting you now to come and get away and get some rest. Verse 32, so they went up by themselves into a boat to a solitary place. The same word is used from the wilderness, is used to the lonely place, used to the solitary place here. Erasmus is the same word. Hmm. Come and get away. You thought it was dry. Isn't that amazing what we often think of that time? We think of it as dry because we're so addicted to pace and busy. And it's the farthest thing from dry. It's where strength comes. And, and, and this is why we're living in a world of broken down souls today, folks, because nobody in our culture puts the importance to that. They say, well, oh, just keep moving, keep going, keep going. Many who saw them, verse 33, many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got their head of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching many things. So here's Jesus. He has compassion. Folks, if you're living a hurried life, you have little compassion. Little compassion. I'm running all the time. Jesus was living a full life, 
but with compassion. And he had enough time to stop and realize that somebody was present in front of him. Like he saw your eyes, he saw your soul, and he said, man, look at these crowds. They need, they need what I've got. And so he stops and he talks to this crowd of 5,000. Verse 35, by this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, and it's already very late. And they begin to have this discussion about food. And, and he says, send them home. Uh, the, the disciples come to Jesus and, he, and tell him, send them home. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. There's something important right here right now. And he takes the little boy's lunch, little as much in the hand of God, and he rips it apart. And he feeds 5,000 people with abundance left over. And we see again the mighty hand of God. That's the kind of God I want you to go to every day. And when you go back to that, Jesus, he takes what's little in your heart and he multiplies it. And he's the one who gives abundance in your life, folks. This is the God of the universe I want to take you to. Uh, verse 45, after he feeds the 5,000 and that great miracle, uh, it says immediately, there's Mark's word again, I love that word, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. What? Here it is again. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. Here's Jesus. He's alone. So the boat, he sent them out to a quiet place. He goes to his own quiet place. He's on the mountain praying. Why is he on the mountain praying? Because time alone with the Father was important. It was even more important than sleep. Even more important than sleep. If you go over to the book of Luke, you'll find that Luke says no less than nine times does Luke say that Jesus often went alone to a lonely place. It says that he went alone to the lonely place. Luke 5, 15 and 16. Yet the news spread about him all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Like this is a snapshot some of you are still into scrapbooking. You know, if you look at the scrapbook of my life, you'll see a bunch of snapshots, right? You see all these pictures. And you'll see a picture, 1993. Ken and Rhonda go on their honeymoon to Niagara Falls. And we love Niagara Falls. It's just like our special place. And then about six or seven years later, you see another picture of Ken and Rhonda at Niagara Falls. With Crease and Kara. Why? Because we love Niagara Falls. And it's cheap. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then you'll see another picture about the time, about five or six years later, there's Ken and Rhonda with a 12-year-old Carice and a 10-year-old Kara and the Niagara Falls. And then you'll see another one Whenever the kids are in their 20s. And there's Ken and Rhonda. Increasing care of their adult children in front of Niagara Falls. Why? Because Ken and Rhonda love Niagara Falls. And that's the snapshot of his life. And as you look at the snapshot of the life of Jesus, you'll see he fed 5,000. He turned water into wine. He healed sick people. But you'll see this thing over and over. Jesus prayed. Oh, here's Jesus alone. He's praying. 
here he is. He's in the wilderness playing. He's, he's in a solitary place. He, he keeps getting alone. Why? Because he loves the Father. He loves the Father, and the Father loves him. And, and he's, getting, he's getting his soul fed. And, and, and nothing else in this earth could feed his soul but the Father. And so I'm looking at this, I'm saying, man, that's what, what it has to be for our life. Like, Jesus often got alone. He went to the quiet place. Over in Psalm 23, verse 1, it says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Like, you can translate it like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I need nothing more. Like, everything is in Him. I, I, I get it all from Him. And then a few verses later, the psalmist continues and says that my cup runs over. And so what happens in our life, folks, is that we need to get into the quiet place so that my life can become full. See, my heart becomes full when I'm in that quiet place. You give me that mug down there. I have this mug here. And I want you to think about this as your life. For whenever you are empty you have nothing left to give and and the psalmist says that my cup is full when, and i'll put the statement up here about going back to the quiet place i want you to catch this when i go out to the quiet place with god my heart becomes full if my cup runs over it's not going to run over because i filled it the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, because he fills my cup. And, and, and as he fills my cup, you need something from me, guess what? If I have not been with God, I have nothing to give you. The people at your work need you tomorrow. They need a light from God. They need you to live for God. They need, they, God has placed you there. He is wanting you to fill up his, fill up your cup. Let him fill you up. And if Jesus needed to go into the quiet place, then so do I. Did you catch that? Say that with me. If Jesus needed to go into the quiet place, then so do I. Well, how do you do this? How do I get my cup filled? What do I do? How do I go into the, into the quiet place? It's called silence and solitude. Those are scary words for us. I, uh, I, I was, a, I was at, a, at a, a conference where they were trying to teach pastors how to, how to be silent. And, and you know what? It's hard for pastors to be silent, isn't it? I heard the giggles. Yeah, you got it. You know? We don't know when to stop. We don't know when. Uh, we just don't stop, right? So they said, we want you to go outside. We, want you to not sit. we don't want you to take your Bible, your, your, your phone, nothing. Just you and God. So I go out there and I'm like, this is going to be great. And it's in this beautiful, sunny place. And I'm out there and I'm sitting on a bench. And the first thing is, man, the sun's burning me up. I'm like, really? I thought I was going to get along with God. Then the next thing is, lawnmower man comes by. <laughs> And then comes Weed Eater Boy. Then comes Leaf Blower Man, right? I'm like, I just wasted 20 minutes. And you know what I found? I can go where there's no noise on the outside, but most of the noise is on the inside. You know what my noise is? Is worrying about my kids. I don't think you ever stop worrying about it, do you? I... I'm dad. I'm just dad. That's what dads do. But when I get in the presence of God, if I'm only worrying about my kid, I'm not going to hear from God because I'm, I'm too noisy. 
And I'm worrying about the church, and I'm worrying about our community, I'm worrying about our country. And so what I've got to do is I've got to come in, I've got to get silence. And silence is entering joy, Augustine said. I love that. Silence is entering joy. And I want to encourage you to go and enter that joy. That is where God will speak to you. Not whenever you're fretting, but whenever I come and I, and I lay the burden down, I say, God, come and fill up my cup. Loneliness is, is emptiness. I want you to catch that. Loneliness is inner emptiness, but solitude is inner fulfillment. So solitude is, I, I, it's not that I'm just away from everybody, it's that I'm with somebody. Richard Foster said that about loneliness and solitude. He wrote a book called Celebration of the Disciplines. I, I, I want to encourage you, get that. It will challenge your life. It will encourage you of the things that will help you to grow in Christ. But listen, folks, here's how you do this. And I want to encourage you. First thing to do is to put it on your calendar. You have to put it on your schedule. I have found out unless I plan it, it doesn't happen because I do so many other things. You've heard of the tyranny of the urgent and not what is important. Tyranny of the urgent. I think most of us live our life that way. Tyranny of the urgent. So put it on your schedule. So I would recommend in the morning give, give yourself an extra 15 minutes. An extra 45 minutes. A man was here last night. He walked out and said, Pastor Ken, I started that two years ago. I changed my life. He said, I have to be at work very early in the morning. He says, I get up at 5 a.m. And my first 45 minutes is with God. He says, and then I go out the door. He says, I can't begin to tell you. He said, There's, I have a number of kids. Uh, my house is, is a little bit noisy when everybody starts to get up. He said, so I'm so happy. And this man is a peaceful man. And God's doing great, great things in his life. So put it on your schedule. Turn off your phone or your devices. If you're using the Bible app, then turn off all notifications, like nothing else. No emails, no text. How many times have I tried to read on that thing and it goes, ding, 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 everybody needs me. It's amazing how people find you, even at 6 in the morning. It's amazing how, you know, that latest deal comes on email and you think you've got to go click it, right? Amazon's going to give me another free thing for $120 membership, right? So it's just like, you know, we're so foolish, aren't we? You know, so foolish. Anyhow. Rant is over. Put it on your schedule. Turn your phone off. Get a cup of coffee. Like for some of you, you're not human until you have a cup of coffee. I recommend just get a cup of coffee or juice, glass of water. Take your Bible. And the first thing before you even get into the Bible is pray and ask God that he will let you experience him. Like pull up your chair and sit down. You may have a great view. You look out your window. You might see this beautiful view. Use that beautiful view. Um, I, I live in Finleyville. I don't have much of a view. Um, I, you know, I have my neighbor's house, and I have my neighbor's house, and that's it. So there's two houses on either side of me. I can't see too much of anything, okay? And uh, their houses are beautiful, but you know, it doesn't really help me think about God. Um, so make your quiet place. It may be in your den I recommend not being flat on your back. It's really hard for me to do my quiet time laying down. I'll just be honest with you. I fall asleep. Sorry, I'm human. Um, Pray and ask God that you'll experience him. Start off with your Bible and a notebook. Take the Bible. First of all, I pray and I say, God, I'm here. And I think for some of you this is what it's going to be like. God, I don't even know what to do. 
You're afraid to do this because you're afraid of what you're going to have to say to God. And you're afraid that you're, not, you're going to run out of stuff. You're afraid of boredom. So I say leave the phone alone. Because you're first, if 77% go to this phone first, let's tap that out. Let, let's take all those other things out. And it's you and God. And you start with the book of John. If you're, if you're not, haven't been reading God's Word, I always tell people start the book of John. It's just fascinating. Start with John. Then go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read a paragraph. You don't even have to read a whole chapter. Start with a paragraph. Say, God, what did you just talk to me about? Like this is the God of the universe wants to speak to you. And he wants to fill your soul. So get into this moment of silence. And don't make it an agenda-driven thing. Check, I did that. Check, I did that. Check, I did that. I've heard many people tell me, I've done my devotions. I don't want you to do your devotions. I want you to get in silence and solitude with God Almighty. And when you do that and you sit there and you say, okay, God, you will rest and you will worship him. Now you don't have to wait for next Sunday. God fills your cup every day. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to invite you to Jesus. Like that's where he's looking for. He wants you to come to him. He says, come unto me, all who are weak and heavy laden, all who have burdens. He says, come to me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Well, folks, if you could schedule into your time 15 minutes to meet with God, and, and I know you can. I know you can. I have, you have the same amount of hours as I do. You might have to sacrifice 15 minutes of sleep. I think you'll be really glad you did. Because it's going to change your whole life. And, and then maybe you're going to go back again at lunchtime and you're going to, at lunchtime, just let, let God fill you up again. Maybe you're going to close the door and you're going to let, let, let the Spirit fill you up again. Just keep coming back and let Him fill your cup because there's so many people that need you. And if you have nothing to give, what good is that? God wants you to go fill up your cup. He said, what shall profit a man if he gain the whole world but loses his own soul? What does it profit if you're successful at your work? What does it profit if you've filled your barns? What does all that profit if your soul is in torment? Come to Jesus today. Lay the burden down. My first invitation is to start that relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, you say, Pastor Ken, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. Would you just start right now and just call on him and say, Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. And I've offended the Holy God. And right now, God, I surrender my life and my heart to you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And God, I invite you into my heart, into my soul, right here, right now. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you just prayed that with me would, would you just lift your hand up and down I'd like to remember you in a closing prayer God bless you God bless you are there others God bless you God bless you all over this auditorium God is moving are there others today I just opened my heart I trusted Jesus today God is moving and he's working and we rejoice with you we celebrate the fact that God is giving you rest he's giving you eternal life and I want to invite you 
to surrender to Him. And then for others, maybe, maybe it's been a while because nobody knows about your solitary place. Nobody. You can look so good out Sundays. You can look good at work. But your soul, you'll know. Would you just make it a priority? Maybe today you need to leave here, go get your bowl of soup. Find a little pillow to rest and evaluate what's really important in your life. We're just going to end with a moment of quietness. Just as music is playing softly, would you just spend a minute with God Almighty? quietness in our service together. We sense your presence. God, may the people in this room that have just tasted that, may they go out and drink some more of that. May they become filled. Let you fill up their cup, Lord. Wow, God, thank you. Thank you for those in this room, Lord. Many pray to receive you today. God, they are on the journey. We thank you. We worship. We celebrate what you're doing in this place. God, be with us now as we depart from here. And we just let you work. And we let you fill our souls. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. And would you greet a few people around you? Say hello. And meet one person that you have not yet met. God bless you. You are dismissed. Good job, man.